nice, yeah. nice. Okay, yeah, so I love Italy and I love London and I love Paris. I'm jealous. So you are in my favorite two places. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you know this area, but where we live, uh, we are surrounded by vineyards and the best wine is here. Okay, it's come on, please, quiet. All right, so thank you so much again. Let's 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 do it, and you let me know um, when uh, you are ready. Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Porti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed, so let's begin. Eduardo Verastegui is a Mexican actor, model, producer, philanthropist, businessman, former Mexican Cairo boy band member, and it his plate is full. He's originally from Mante, Mexico. Eduardo uh, got his start, however, as a model and actor for soap operas in Mexico City, and then later joined his boy band at that time. Uh, and at that time, his heart was into his definition of success, which is fame and women and acting and singing. But he moved to Miami, the capital of Latin America, and it was there that he made a Spanish album. And then he got noticed for a movie part, which he began to realize that he needed to learn English, not just learn it, but think in the language. Uh, So then it propelled him in Los Angeles to hire an English teacher, a woman named Jasmine, who was a or is a committed Catholic that challenged Eduardo about his lifestyle. And as a result, he turned to Jesus and became serious about his Catholic roots. And his life has not been the same since. Um, Since that time, Eduardo started a production company called Metanoia Films with the goal of producing films that have the uh, potential not only to entertain but to make a difference in society. In 2007, he began the nonprofit organization Manto de Guadalupe with one goal in mind, which is to help those lacking food, shelter, access to healthcare or education in local communities around the world. Working on several projects during this time, Eduardo got uh, an opportunity in 2013 with the top TV producer Mark Burnett to be an executive producer on the Spanish language version of his film son of god and to be the voice of jesus christ and in 2015 eduardo co-stars alongside kevin james in the movie paul bart mall cop 2 and alongside oscar-nominated actors emily watson and tim wilkinson in the highly acclaimed movie little boy which eduardo also produced Uh, In 2016, he received an honorary doctorate degree by several international organizations for his leadership and his humanitarian contributions. Eduardo is currently producing two new films that are scheduled to hit theaters this year, 
One is Sound of Freedom, which dives into the global issue of human trafficking through the true story of a former CIA agent. And Mary, the historical and biblical chapter of the killing of the innocent during the reign of King Herod. So in this awesome interview with Eduardo, my friend Janet and I recently got to sit down with him over Zoom while in quarantine with Eduardo to talk about his testimony and Mexico and faith and the type of godly men and women you should be pursuing for your life partners as well as his upcoming film Sound of Freedom. So enjoy this interview. It's got a lot of great meat and potatoes. So grab a coffee or if you're driving, sit down and enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And we are in um, three different locations, but I thank you that we are here because we come in your name that amazing, powerful name of Jesus. And we love you. And we ask that you be here and that you guide our words. And may this interview be a blessing to those that listen. May it trans transform lives and uh, open the eyes of people's hearts, those who maybe have gotten away from you, those who uh, aren't in relationship with you. And I ask that you bless Eduardo, uh, bless the mantle that is on his life and guide him in the, the plans and purposes that you have for him and bless Janet as well. And I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Te damos gracias, Señor, por este momento especial. Gracias también por la disponibilidad de Eduardo. Y gracias, Señor, que él está eh, impactando muchas vidas a través del trabajo que él hace eh, para ti, Señor. Te damos gracias. Te pedimos que muchas vidas sean eh, inspiradas y también animadas a seguir tu propósito, Señor. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén. So, Janet. You said uh, you are in Italy. Are you from Italy? No, I'm actually from Mexico. Yeah, oh. I yeah, I was born in the capital, and then I moved to London 12 years ago uh, mm -hmm. to teach Spanish. And I lived in London for 10 years. Then I met the one who is my husband now, and he's Italian. So we moved to Italy two years where in ago. Italy? Rome or where? North Italy. So it's uh, near Turin. Okay. So it's Nice. Yes. Nice. Okay. So I love Italy and I love London and I love Paris. I'm jealous. So you are in my favorite two places. <laughs> I don't know if you know this area, but where we live, uh, we are surrounded by vineyards and the best wine is here. Okay. Come on. Please quiet. <laughs> You're from Mexico, Eduardo. It's a, a beautiful country in North America, and obviously it has rich culture and history. How has the culture and values of Mexico guided you in your global work? Well, I mean, everything, who I am. Um, I was born in a very small town, a uh, small, beautiful city called Mante, M-A-N-T-E. Mm -hmm. Ciudad Mante, Mante City, and um, because it was the only uh, hospital uh, back in the days um, near the other town where I was, uh, where I was raised, called Hicotencal, 
Tamaulipas. So Jicotenca is a is smaller city than Mante. So when my mother was ready to uh, give birth, they took her to Mante, which is like 30 minutes away. And my grandfather, Tomas, my mother's father, was the director of that hospital. And so I was born there. Then I went back to Jicotencal. I was raised in Jicotencal. My best friends in life, uh, my parents, Jose and Alicia. And um, I was raised uh, Catholic. And my family was not a practicing Catholic at that time. They were, you know, it was more like a cultural kind of thing, you know, uh, basic principles, of course, you know, uh, always taught, you know, to uh, believe uh, in God and to have faith in God and, you know, do the right thing, be honest, treat everyone the way how you like to be treated. You know, very uh, universal and basic and standard uh, principles from day one, and which I think that was very, very helpful for me for later on, <clears throat> for many reasons. And later, uh, three sisters were uh, born. Uh, so I, I was raised by women, you know, imagine uh, my mother, my aunts, my uh, aunts, my grandmothers, and my um, cousins and my three um, sisters who are like my three angels, Alejandra, Alicia, and Daniela. And I was raised in a very beautiful uh, environment, you know, close to a river where I learned how to swim, um, music. Uh, my grandfather was a painter, so he was an artist. So I grew up, you know, in his studio, just watching how he was from nothing creating something beautiful. And my other uncles from my father's side, um, they were doing other things like, you know, doctors and this, but. In, in their hobby, they were um, artists too, they musicians and composers. So I, I was raised by art yeah. uh, somehow. And I was very curious to actually immerse myself in the uh, art completely, not just like my ankles as hobby, but as professional, you know. But I didn't know yet how. I didn't know if it maybe was just curiosity and I was just, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I was... I was not sure 100% if that was my vocation. So because I was very, very far from from Mexico City where all these dreams, um, you can achieve them, um, being an artist, you know, a singer, an actor. So I thought, you know what, even though I was a dreamer, I thought, let's be a little more realistic. So let I, I want to please my dad. So I want to go, I need to go to, a, uh, he wanted me to be a lawyer. So I went to law school to study law so i can please my dad but then on the second semester <clears throat> on the second semester i realized that that was that was not my passion so what i did i stopped um, college on the second semester moved to mexico city to pursue my dream i i bought a ticket bus and all the way from Hico to mante mante to tampico tampico to mexico city it was like all day uh you know driving I mean, not me, but the boss, you know. And then uh, when I got there, I was only 18 years old. And and it was like unbelievable experience. Imagine from a little town, 15,000 people to a big city. 20 million yeah. <laughs> people city. It was like shocking. It was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is like incredible. I want to, it was like literally, it was really, really, uh, I was very uh, touched and impact, you know, for everything that I saw. I, I wanted to discover the world which it was very dangerous too, because my parents were not there anymore. I was in a very vulnerable age where you're not mature enough, at least me, and you think you know everything. Mm. And then vanity and pride 
sometimes are lead actors in your life. Um, and then right, you know, right, right away, 30, 30 days later, I'm, uh, I am uh, study acting. The next thing you know, I'm working as a model because my parents didn't support the idea that I quit college and left everything behind and moved to Mexico City without without their will. And so it was like a year almost of distance where we didn't talk. Um, So even worse for me, because then I didn't have a guide, like, you know, mentors in my life who really care about me. And, And at that time, I was very selfish because it was all about me. I didn't care about my parents, my sisters, my Nothing other than I wanted to achieve my dreams. And then I started uh, singing in a boy band mm-hmm. for almost three and a half years. And after a year, my parents, when they saw that I was, uh, you know, that I was doing things right. And I was, you know, now in a boy band, uh, I was taking everything very serious. And I was now working uh, uh, in what I in what I was, you know, uh, called to do at that time. At, at least that's what I thought, you know. But I was very convinced that that was what I needed to do. And my parents saw that, so support came back. And then we became, again, best friends. And they became fans of everything that what, I, what I was doing. But again, at that time, my parents, <clears throat> uh, even though they supported me and everything, um, and even though all those values that they taught me and my culture and all my traditions in my country and everything, were there and it was very important because it was a pillar that was holding me from all the dangers that I was exposed, especially in, in a career like this, you know, entertainment where vanity and pride and, you know, pleasure and success, uh, all that became, become your, your idols, you know, and, and I wanted to conquer the world. And at that time I thought because of the influence and the friends that I had at the time, I thought, that, I thought that the real man, it was a, a Latin lover, woman, 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 womanizer, yeah. You know, don't want Casanova, the more women you have, the more masculine, the more men, the more um, happy you are going to be. All the artists that I admire, they were living those lifestyles. So I thought this is what I I need to accomplish. This. So uh, I went crazy. My life, you know, I was lost, but I didn't know. And and then for three and a half years, singing this boy band, can you imagine from a small town to traveling 15, 16 countries in Latin America and stadiums and girls singing and screaming and I believe it and I thought I was the last coke in the desert and I and I wanted to uh you know um just keep feeling and feeling and feeling my emptiness that at that time I didn't know was emptiness I thought was just this is this is not enough I, I need more more money more fame more more girlfriends more women in my life more everything so I was like literally uh can you imagine the contradictions in one side <clears throat> in one hand um I was thanking God for everything and I was, you know, and I thought I was loving God and and doing his will just because I was thanking him for everything, even my sins, you know, <laughs> and uh, governed by ignorance, of course, uh, because I didn't go to any Christian schools or anything. I was not really formed. And how can you love what you don't know? God was part of my life, but was not the center of my life. Not because I didn't want to, but because I didn't know. Yeah. And so later, I started doing, after the boy band, I started doing soap operas in Mexico. As you know, if you want to make a living as an actor in Mexico, you don't have so many options. Like now, yeah. back in the days, you either do soap operas or soap operas. You know, you're, you're stuck on that. Uh, but after that, <clears throat> I moved to Miami, the capital of Latin America. Um, I was 27. Mm. And uh, I went back to music. I left the acting behind recorded a solo album <clears throat> in Spanish. And then again, I was traveling 
And I was even more crazy at that time. It was, can you imagine Miami, 27 years old? Now mm. I had an album by myself, you know, traveling 15 countries. And and uh, and it was crazy, crazy times, very dangerous, dangerous times. And um, and then I was flying from Miami to L.A. Um, I was very happy in Miami because there is a lot of Latino culture there, not just Mexican, but all Latin America. Okay. So somehow, and my English was not, I didn't, I, my English was very poor because when I was 14 years old, my father, my mother, my parents, they sent me to more Oklahoma, small town in Oklahoma to learn English. But I broke my arm playing uh, arm wrestles. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? Ar- arm, arm wrestling. Wrestle, right? Arm wrestling. Yeah, where you arm figure, yeah, arm wrestling. <laughs> so my, somebody strong, <laughs> stronger than me, <clears throat> somebody stronger than me, um, you know, broke my arm and I didn't have insurance. I was only 14 years old. So they sent me back after a few weeks you know so i only learned how to you know how to say hi how are you my name is eduardo gallina chicken my car is red i'm hungry what is the bathroom things like that yeah. but i was not able to have a conversation. conversation and on top of that my experience you know when you have a association of ideas so english was associated with a very traumatic experience where i almost had to um Thank God my, my father say, say, said no, but they were going to open all my arm mm-hmm. like this, you know, to bring the bone back to here. And it was bad. And when you're 14, you're just like, you feel like what's going on. And uh, and I remember that was my first challenge with, even though I, I believe in God at that time, because of what I told you before, that was like my first fight uh, within myself, like asking God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Uh, I came here to learn English and look, I mean, this is how you treat your friends. And now I'm going to go back. I didn't learn anything. It was a very painful and traumatic experience. Uh, my dream was to come here to stay for a whole year, learn English and, you know, play football and do all the things that my friends who were part of this kind of a, a, an exchange student mm-hmm. program. Yeah. Uh, my was horrible. It was a terrible experience. So, but that somehow I, I didn't have the maturity to understand, you know, that things happen for a reason. And maybe this was the best thing ever happened to me because maybe if I would stay there longer or something. I mean, you don't have that wisdom to really go deeper into what life is about. You're only 14 years old, you know. <clears throat> but anyway, so that's the reason why in Miami I was so comfortable because I, I, I was able to uh, to live there and to communicate with everyone in Spanish mm-hmm. until... Uh, I met someone on a plane mm. from Miami to Los Angeles who was a casting director who invited me to do an audition for a film called Chasing Papi with Sofia Vergara. And I told him the truth. I, I told him the truth. I don't speak English very well. I know how to say only a few words. And he said, don't worry, 90% of the uh, movie you are going to be sleeping. Mm. <laughs> so you think, I think you can do that. <clears throat> and I, 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 I did the audition. I got the part, left the music behind, moved to Los Angeles, which... Again, there's millions of Mexicans live there. So I, I thought, okay, this is something that I can do too. I can communicate with everyone. But then I thought, hold on a second. This is my comfort zone. Yeah. I need to challenge myself. If I really want to do this serious, and if I want to do this movie and maybe more, I need to... To learn English. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, not only that, I'm like, I'm going to stop speaking Spanish for a year. So I can force myself to start thinking in English. Otherwise, you know, because I'm not seven years old where you, where you can learn five languages because your brain is so fresh and you get everything. I'm 28 now. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start from zero. So I need to be very, very disciplined here. So that's what I did. Not allow myself to speak Spanish with anybody for a year. So I can force myself to start thinking in English. And that's what I did. I hired this wonderful English English teacher that changed my life. Mm-hmm. Because of her, her name is Jasmine. Um, because of her, everything, everything changed. Of course, many things before happened. You know, my parents, what they taught me, uh, other friends who actually care about me, who were helping me, but at that time I didn't listen to them well. But plant, seeds were planted, you know. A lot of people were praying for me that I didn't know. Uh, so next thing you know, my mo- I didn't know this until later. My mother, even though she was not practicing Catholic, it was very, very... I mean, we were going to mass once a year, you know. My mother maybe three times, but that was it. Uh, we always thought, you know, we're good people, we're good family, you know, we don't do harm to anybody. Typical mentality, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then, but you never know how that works. This is, I mean, God works in mysterious ways, and this is amazing because my mother started, started getting very um, worried about her older son who was lost um, in the ocean thinking that, um, you know, he, that he knew everything, but he didn't know anything. And my mother told me that I'm very scared that something bad happened, that something bad will happen to him, that we may receive a phone call in the middle of the night with the horrible news where he either is dead or in a hospital or in jail, or I don't know, but you know what? He doesn't listen to our words anymore, but, and that's when a moment of truth came into her heart. If my words doesn't touch his heart anymore, my prayers will touch his heart one day. And she started asking for a prayer group in her town. She was like hungry to get closer to God so she can talk to God and ask him, please take care of this crazy uh, guy, you know. And because me being lost, somehow that was the reason uh, that uh, brought my mother uh, close to God and to have a really a conversion experience and to... uh, um, give her life completely to God because she wanted her son back, you know? So she started praying in silence. And I believe, um, I believe, um, I with all my heart and Janet that, that my English teacher was the answer of my mother's prayer, because what are the ads that you are in Hollywood, the center of the capital of, you know, entertainment, you know, where many people, not everybody, but many people, they go there to not to find God, but to actually, to lose everything, uh, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, you know, and I was about to, you know, even go even more crazy because now I'm like, I'm living in Hollywood, 28, my dream came true. I'm doing a movie with Sofia Vergara, Rosalind Sanchez, Jackie Velasquez. I'm the man, I'm the, I'm the Latin lover now. I'm 28, so I'm the next thing, you know, and I'm literally willing to do, you know, I, I have, of course, my, my lines were, okay, I, I, I don't, I, I will I, I won't pass this line. But that time was very invisible, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and it was very easy to be influenced by other people, you know, managers or agents. So it was very vulnerable to. So what are the ads that right there, you end up meeting this lady it's who little thing. by little, it's a God through thing. the Socratic method, started asking questions like, what is the purpose of your life? Who is God in your life? Why are you doing what you're doing? How are you using your talents? What's the purpose of your life? What's the meaning of life? What is peace? What is happiness? When you wake up in the morning, what motivates you to wake up? Who do you die for? Who do you live for? Who is your family? Do you want to have a family? Why are you here? Why are you going after that? 
oh my gosh, hold on a second. Let me answer the first one, you know, but because of her friendship and her example and her compassion and her kindness and her love to save this guy who was lost, I was able to little by little to start listening to her and to start ask and trying to answer those questions. And little by little, that's when I, I remember it was many moments, but I had one moment when she said, if you really love God, if you really love God, and if you really believe in the Bible as the word of God, and if you really believe that your, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and if you really believe in, you know, in, in, in all these things that you're telling that you believe, why are you offending God? And she said a few other words, and you know what? It was really, it was not her words. It was the Holy Spirit, because after she left that room, I started crying like I have never cried before in my life. Something happened, mm-hmm. of course, very powerful. That it was it was the uh, a new beginning. It was the before and after, because at that time I got in my knees with tears and didn't even know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But I knew something that I was for many years I was not using my talents to glorify and to honor God but the opposite and this this was my opportunity to change everything being alive and that's when I said I I give you my life I give you my will I give you my everything right now I'm going to die to myself you need to help me I will never 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 uh, will do any any other project that will offend my family my faith you uh, Lord or or my you know my culture, and if it, that's that means that this is the end of my career, I will, I will. Uh, it doesn't matter because at that time I knew Ali and Janet that I wasn't born to be an actor. I was not born to be a filmmaker. I wasn't born to be a lawyer. All those things are only means that if you use them well, you can make a difference. But that's not the end of my life. The end of my life, I was born to know and to love and to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. That day, everything changed, changed to me, and thanks be to God, it's been almost 16 years, mm-hmm. and by the grace of God, I, I'm, I'm still fighting, and this is not going to be finished until until you die. It's an everyday process, you know, but I'm, I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm asking Him every day to help me, to guide me, to uh, my parents all day, and my sisters, and everyone, they all had a conversion, and my family changed, and all because of this English teacher, you know, that I ask you again, please pray for Jasmine. Yes, oh, that's amazing. She was, an, she was an angel in my life. Is is Jasmine oh. a Catholic as well or Protestant? Yes. Okay. Wow. So yeah. Sure yeah, she was Christian Catholic, and uh, and I. This is this is a very important question that you ask, Ali, because at that time I never knew, I I never met any Catholic mm-hmm. who was a practicing Catholic for real, except for one, and that I I saw her very little time, once a year, and she was like, you know, I was. 14, she was uh, 80, you know, and, and, and so when I had moments that, and she was uh, single and she was more like a nun, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't relate a lot and, and she didn't understand this 14 crazy kid. Mm-hmm. So I never experienced someone my age, like, yeah, hey, listen, um, um, yeah, what does it mean to be a Catholic, you know? Well, uh, look at Maria Teresa, you know, look at St. Francis of Assisi, look at, you know, Saint many Francis. other... Um, yeah. leaders Aquinas, who yeah. gave their lives you know exactly so my, it was more, my experience was more about in, in, in was more about ex-Catholics mm-hmm. who left the church who uh, became you know 
um, Protestants, and I see the fruits of them because, wow, this guy stopped cursing, stopped drinking. Uh, well, he drinks with moderation, but not like before. Well, he actually stopped drinking. He is. He went back to his wife. and So I see like the results, uh, very dramatic, radical results, um, Catholics who left the church and, and then went to other churches. So that that I saw, but I didn't understand um, that either at the time. I, I saw from from far, you know, and I was impressed. But somehow I said, no, no, I don't want to do this because you know I I need to uh, <clears throat> I need to achieve my dreams again. Selfishness. So I was like even afraid to explore why you change your life until Jasmine, because she started different she didn't came to me the first day so eduardo you need to give your life to christ no otherwise i would have run because i wasn't already mm-hmm. it's like you cannot give a, a baby meat yeah because he doesn't have teeth yeah. i was a little baby you know yeah. <clears throat> in the faith so she knew so that's why she started with philosophy first mm-hmm. more like uh doing the right thing in a, in a natural level first mm-hmm. virtues values you know mm-hmm. and she was very smart because she started little by little she was very smart because she she went to where I was and then she little by little started like going up, going up, going up. And then she said, so you're from Mexico, Eduardo. So let me ask you a few questions. This is very important, the Socratic method, you know, because you don't feel judged. You don't feel like someone is like trying to change your life. You, they're just asking you questions, you know? So she said, there is more than 60 million Hispanics living in the United States. Mo- most of them are from Mexico. So there are millions of Mexicans living here. Okay, so unfortunately, Eduardo, there is many people here in America who think that you guys are a threat to the democracy of this country because they think that you guys are what they see in film or television, the negative stereotype of Latinos, Mexicans in, in media, where very few times you see Mexicans having the opportunity of being heroes in film or television. And I'm not talking about heroes like Superman or Spider-Man, but the everyday hero, the, the you know, the man who moved to the U.S. not to steal, but to work really hard to give better opportunities to the family. Honest man, a man that is faithful to his wife, loyal to his friends, uh, the real hero, you know, who does the right thing. Women are being reduced as objects, sex symbols. You have three younger sisters. Who are they? Well, they're the heart of family, they're full of wisdom, they're smart, they're beautiful. Okay, so then if you believe then your if your culture is that, why are you portraying the opposite in your work? And I say, what? 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 Media influence how people think. So you are guilty then, uh, don't you think? If people think that you guys are what they see in films or television programs that you are involved and then you're complaining because, oh, they are thinking that I am this or that, and this is racist and this and that. Don't you think it's your fault because you are portraying that? And 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 I see, and I couldn't fight that argument at that time. I didn't know how much influence, you know, media has in our society, especially young people who have this tendency to imitate and to copy what they see in film or television. You know, as you know, the um, percentage, the time percentage uh, that uh, parents. Uh, spend with their children having meaningful conversations every day. It's only three to six minutes a day. That's the average percentage. But in front of the media, they spend more than 10 hours a day. And with social media, maybe more. Social media, movies, television, music, etc. So who is educating their children? It's not parents. It's the media. So, Eduardo, how are you using the media? The media is not, it's nothing wrong with the media. It's just how you use it. If you use it for good, you can make a difference. If you use it for bad, you can poison the minds of the people. 
And that's when I realized that I was poisoning minds without even knowing. When I look back to see every single project that I was involved, most of them, not everything, but most of them, uh, instead of elevating human dignity, I was doing the opposite. That's when I made the promise that I would never use my talents to do anything that will offend my faith, my family culture, or 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 God, you know. Uh, uh, and so she was amazing because later, after six months of conversations where I was like changing little by little based on doing the right thing, principles and everything, that's when she um, started talking about God. Wow. And then that's when she started talking about faith. And that's, that's when she started talking about, you know, the Bible. And it, but it was after I already admired her. She was my older sister I never had. She was my friend. She was really helping me in my English. So it was a perfect move uh, that God did to me. Yeah, amazing. Janet, go with your next question. Yeah, well, I'm really, really inspired about your testimony because it really shows how God can transform, heal, and restore lives. And, and he's just amazing. Like, his ways are perfect. And, uh, and what a better way to reach you, uh, you know, when you were feeling lost. And um, so this has to do with actually my question, and it is, what message would you give to people who are feeling lost and they don't know what to do in their lives? Well, that's a very important question, uh, Janet. Um, and it's very, you know, it's very, uh, sometimes answer, answering these questions are very uh, hard because I go back to my English teacher, how she approached me. And, and, and I think friendship in the beginning is very important. You know, like, uh, like if you, let's say if you want to help someone, um, who maybe is just doing the wrong thing, not because they want to, but because they're being governed by ignorance, you know, and, and the wrong friendship. Friendship is like an elevator. Either your friends bring you up or they bring you down. Tell me who you hang out, I'll tell you who you are. You become what you read, what you eat, what who you hang out with. And, and, and uh, this is very important. And that, so one young lady one day asked me, Eduardo, how can I change all the youth? You know, I'm in the university. I, I think I'm a leader, but they don't listen to me. And I want to, I know that they're doing so many bad stuff and that's going to hurt them. And I don't know how to change them. What should I do? Uh, similar question. And I said, you know what? I think the best way is um, if you want to change them, first you need to change yourself. What I mean by that is this, because I'm sure you already are working on that. That if you really work very hard every day, since you wake up in the morning, you are working to become the best version of yourself. You want to uh, achieve your maximum potential. You want to please God in everything. And you are working very hard to become a virtuous person. And, and, and if you really are that, I can guarantee you that more than one will be very attractive to, uh, to change because leading by example is better. You know, words are very important, but uh, example, it, it's, it's, thousand times more, more powerful than words because people, especially in our society right now, um, leading by example is, is the best the best testimony. Uh, uh, this generation needs uh, more testimonies than teachers, you know? And, and actually what, what changed me with my English teacher was not just the words. I mean, of course, the words touched my heart and, I, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit translated those words into my needs, but it was her example too. I was looking at her, if she was coherent, if she was uh, con con congruente, coherente, you know, co coherent with what she was saying. Because if he, sometimes, you know, especially when we are very mature, um, 
you you focus on the messenger and not too much in the message, which is the opposite. We should focus on the message, not in the messenger, you know, because the messengers were all sinners and we're all going to make mistakes, you know, but the message is pure and perfect. But sometimes to justify why we don't want to follow the message, we start like looking at the messenger and, and trying to see, oh, you're not doing this. Oh, why are you saying this? If you're just an, as an excuse to, uh, to dismiss and to uh, bury the message, you know, but she was both. She was message and messenger together. And that's why I was like, okay, I give up. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So first of all, Mother Teresa said something very powerful that changed my life. And I want to share this phrase. Um, say Mother Teresa said, we are not called to be successful. We are called to be faithful to God. Mm-hmm. That is our success. Mm-hmm. Now, if by being faithful to God, success come, it's a blessing. Thanks be to God. Let's use that success to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't come, don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise your values because God doesn't use evil means to obtain good ends. You, uh, we're here very little time, you know, compared to eternity. This is one second, our lives. So this life and this time that we have is, it doesn't belong to, I mean, it's not us. It doesn't belong to us. It was a gift from God to us. You know, I didn't create myself. I didn't create time. Either, you know, when people say, this is my time. Well, hold on a second. It's not your time. It's God's time being given to you as a gift. And the best gift we can give to God back is what do we, what are we, what are we, uh, what are we doing with our life and with our time that he gave us? That's the gift back to him. So, um, time is very important. Don't waste time. Use time to glorify God in everything that you do. And don't try to live, uh, at least I can speak for me. This is what helps me. Sometimes I try to, before I used to be like, okay, well, my faith is for me, but my work is different, so I cannot put them together. Mm-hmm. So now that cannot be uh, possible because then you are going to be offending God. We need to have God everywhere in our lives, in our works, jobs, family, friends, everywhere. We have to be one with him. We cannot please two masters. Okay, I'm with God when I'm in my house, when I'm praying, but I'm with the other one when I'm in my work. No, it doesn't work like that. But what if I lose my job? What if you lose your life? Doesn't matter. Who cares? He gave your life. He gave his life for you. Are you willing to give your life to him? That's not even yours. It belongs to him. Uh, you may lose everything, but, but not your salvation, which is the most important thing. You know, you can take everything away from me as long as you don't take my faith in God, my hope in God, and my love for God. I am the wealthiest man in the world. And my new concept of what does it mean to be a billionaire is not how many billions you have in the bank, but how many billions, how many billions of hearts you touch in your life. You know, that's what makes you uh, a real, you know, billionaire, you know, in the perspective of God's eternity, you know, uh, uh, in relation to you. So it's very important to to be aware of those that the society and, and, and the and the media like bombarding us with so many ideas. You know what? The good news and the best news already happened two thousand years ago. Mm. Uh, the crucifixion, you know, and, and 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 the resurrection and and the promise and the God gave us, and that's where we put all our hope. What better news? You know, when I wake up every day trying to like look for a good news, the best news ever happened. The best news already happened. And, and, and if we rem- remember that every day we are going to be, you know, rejoicing the Lord, yeah, you know, sure. rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. There's nothing better that can happen today. I mean, nothing can beat that news. So that alone should be enough for us to be, you know, even if you're in the hospital, even if you are in quarantine, you know, in your house, whatever you are, 
good, bad, you know, happy, not happy, we already have the best of the best uh, uh, news to be fulfilled. Yeah. All we need to do is to participate in believing uh, in, in that promise and in the Lord and, and in, you know, and, and to have our routines every day. That's what I'm doing in my house, you know, every day. You know, I wake up, I have my breakfast, you know, I work out. I pray the rosary um, and meditate, and I invite my person friends too. So guys, I'm Catholic. I pray the rosary. You know, you don't pray the rosary, but you know what? But you pray. So why don't we unite all our prayers right now? In this moment, we have the same God, and 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 we love the same God. Why don't we just pray to Him to end this pandemic so we can uh, go back to normal, but more humans and more full of uh, God's graces? You know, because this is a training for me. Being in this quarantine, you know, it's it's an amazing, beautiful training. Amazing opportunity. God allow everything that happens for the good of those who love Him. Amen. Amen. That's it. You're a great interviewee because you hit all the the questions. A lot of our questions you've already pre-answered them, and I just want to wrap up with this question. If you've got a minute or two yes, left, yes, please. Um, so, uh, as Janet's married, but I'm sure that she can relate having once been single, and every woman out there can relate to this, and you touched on this in a speech you gave last year in Boston, both Janet and I watched it, where you talked about women who have been wounded by men, and how your testimony of going into a prison on Valentine's Day and ministering to a woman there. Um, me, as a single woman still, when I sometimes see men in the church not acting like the Lord, it can be a little bit of a discouragement to a woman looking for a godly man. Sometimes women end up compromising and choosing a man that's not godly because they, they think their time is running out. So my question is, what standards should a woman not compromise on uh, when determining if she should continue to date or marry a man you know uh, that's 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 very good, Ali. Uh, uh, because, but it goes both ways. You know, uh, yeah. um, men should, you know, a godly man should never compromise. A godly woman should never compromise. Yeah. And I, and sometimes, you know, I, I can tell you from my own experience. Sometimes your own, my own personal dreams, my own personal dreams, and this is in relation to uh, not in my dream in my work, my dream in my, you know. Even my, my dream in raising a family, marrying and raising a family, that's a dream too, and it's a good dream. Mm -hmm. But sometimes your own personal dreams can become your worst enemies if those dreams are not in line with God's will, mm -hmm. especially in the timing. You know, God has a time for everything. Sometimes we are rushing. Sometimes we we want to have everything, and we're confused because that dream is good. It's a good dream, mm -hmm. but in our, we want to have that dream in our own time. So we meet a person, and we think, no, I don't want to wait anymore. And little by little, you start watering that, uh, water down, you know, your standards mm -hmm. because you feel like, you know what, I'm getting older. Uh, you know what, maybe maybe God wants me to evangelize this person. And and then you start like, we're very quick to convince ourselves. Oh, my God. We're like uh, lawyers, you know. Mm -hmm. And little by little, it's, it, it's, it's the other one talking to you. And then next thing you know, boom, it's a disaster, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, both ways, I, ha I have seen it, uh, men and women, you know, going in the wrong direction. But I'm going to speak for men because that's who I am. So, and I want to speak to all men too. Um, as I said before, I grew up in a culture where we, I thought that the real man is, is uh, the womanizer and this and that. And actually our society, look, all the music videos and everything, everything is that, the, the objectivizing women and, and men, you know. 
um, it's all just that, you know, and, and people think that, that is love. And, and no, love is something else. So, uh, first of all, because I grew up in that <clears throat> culture, I, <clears throat> I hurt many, many women. I was hurt too. I offended God. I was offending myself. I was offending women. And, uh, and, and for many, many years, until one day, my English teacher asked me, you know, do you want to marry one day? I said, yes. Okay. Um, do, do, you, do, you, do you want to have children? I said, yes. Would you like to have a daughter? I said, yes. And what kind of a man you would like your daughter to meet so she can form a family? Can you describe that man to me? And I said, yes. Well, for my daughter, are you kidding me? I want the best man on the earth. I want someone who, um, and look, this is a, a man who was not a godly man answering this. Mm. <laughs> and she, that's why she was very smart. A, a, a man who was not a godly man saying, well, for my daughter, I want someone who will be faithful to her, loyal to her, treat her with so much respect, like a queen, put her in a pedestal, like a diamond, die for her, uh, treat her like an unbelievable, help her and, and uh, make her laugh. And, and I was like doing this, saint without even knowing and she my english teacher said and are you that man mm. and i said what are you the man that you should describe for your future daughter Oof. well there's things here that no no no, the whole package and i say no then why do you want a man like this for your future daughter when you are not that man for the daughter of someone else mm. hard to respond that you know and i said you're right and that's when i realized hold on a second you know what if he's someone treat my sister the same way how I've been treating other women, I will kill that person. And so I cannot kill myself. Then what am I going to do? I'm, I'm stuck now. And that's when I realized, you know, what more, what uh, St. Faustina in her diary, when Jesus told her um, all the sins of the world together are nothing but a drop of water in the ocean of God's mercy when you repent. And I repent and, and, and I made a promise to God that, you know, um, uh, I understand what chastity was. I didn't know what it was, you know. I understand for the first time that sex is sacred. Mm -hmm. And yes, we're all weak people. And yes, this, our media is bombarding us with that lifestyle. And I realized, well, this is a new fight that's going to uh, begin now for me. For the rest of my life, I'm going to ask God every day to help me how to treat women with respect, how to treat every woman the same way, how I would like my daughter, my sister, my mother to be treated. God help me because... Till today, I've been living in a, in a different way, and I develop a, the wrong habits and vices and everything. And, and, and please, only you can help me to kill all that, so I can live a pure life, um, so I can become the best person for my future wife. If that's your will, because I don't know if I'm gonna die tomorrow, and I'm married. But in case you want that to happen, I want to be ready. So in the meantime, please prepare me for 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 her. And, and women, don't settle for less than that. Don't settle for less than that because. Uh, there is not a command. There is there is not an obligation from when I mean in the new testament. In the new testament, our Lord never said, "If you don't marry, you're sinning." Mm -hmm. So yeah. sometimes we have this. Uh, well, yeah, but in Genesis, you know, God says that you know, procreate, and it's it's like a, it's a command. Well, yeah, but we base our faith not just in one phrase, but in the entire Bible, and we need to understand in context everything, and. Uh, and in the New Testament, when our Lord said, you know, love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, he never add there, and please marry, because if you don't marry, you're sinning, you're doing a huge mistake. Then I, I will understand why everybody's like, okay, I need to marry, I don't want to offend God. But it's better to, Lord, if you want me to marry and raise kids, I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want me to be a missionary and give my life 
completely to help the poor or to help to end child trafficking. That's, and that's all you need. I'm here. If you want me to be, I'm here. If you want me, I'm here. So, and God lives in the present, but sometimes we're thinking in the future and the future doesn't exist. And then, and then the future brings fear back to us in the present because what if you will, I don't achieve that tomorrow and next year I want to have kids so my parents can be happy and I can be happy. I don't want to be alone. And do that that same night. We need to live in the present, in the moment, and to please God in the moment, in the present. Don't settle for less than that. If you are not going to, unless God tells you, go and save this person in a very specific way, well, you will know through the science. I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do, but I'm just giving you the, the principles, you know, sure. so you can make your own decision and, and your own discernment. But first of all, before I, I, I close, uh, um, I just want to say that uh, uh, take this advantage of this opportunity that you're giving me that if he, is there any women out there listening to me that uh, that have been hurt by a man and 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 won't still there and you're not being uh, able yet to forgive because the wound is so hard and, and so painful that it instead of being you know instead of uh, healing it's the opposite you know the wound it's even bigger and bigger and bigger because of the lack of forgiveness because they did something really bad to you. Well, at least I have an obligation to, uh, now that I'm alive and God is giving me this opportunity and this time to tell you uh, something, you know, as I treat many women in a, in the wrong way, I repent and I've been trying to uh, live a life, a godly life every day since some 16 years ago. Um, and I ask God every day to help me, you know, to, to, to be better and better and better and better so I can be an amazing husband uh, one day if it is God's will for me. But I just want to tell you that uh, uh, in the name of all men, I want to apologize uh, to you uh, if you're listening to me. And, 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 and not only I want to apologize, but I want to ask God right now to, to give us the graces that we need so we can forgive whoever hurt us. You know, the Our Father said, forgive, forgive our trespasses as we forgive you know, uh, who, tra who trespass against us. Perdónanos, Señor, así como nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. So if we want to receive the forgiveness of God, we need to forgive. It doesn't matter what they have done to you. But because I know that it's very hard humanly, that's what I, got, I ask God to help us, to forgive so we can be free. So healing begin. Let, let the healing begin. And, and let's not only um, forgive, but actually even go deeper. Pray for their conversion. Pray for for them so they don't hurt more women, they change uh, uh, their lives because at the end of the day, we're all family and there are brothers too. Um, if, if women have hurt men, there are sisters, you know, it's okay, uh, it's okay, this is life, and, and but uh, it's an opportunity to grow in holiness. Every single opportunity, for good or for bad, it's an opportunity right there to grow in holiness, to grow in forgiveness, to grow in compassion, to grow in, in every single virtue that we are lacking. Uh, take it as an advantage of, don't see it as a problem, see it as a challenge to grow internally, to grow in, in, in the love of God. And, and so I'm sorry, and God, please forgive us. Forgive me for every single uh, woman that I offended. And, and I pray for each one of them and trans, um, transform all those offenses into blessings to them and to their children and to their family. And, and I commit to pray to each one of you. I don't know who is listening, but God knows. So when I pray and I say for my personal intentions, that means that you are involved in those intentions forever. And please pray for me so I can be faithful to God every day for the rest of my life. 
God bless you for what you're doing, Ali and Janet, and God bless everyone that is listening to us. Let's be united in prayer. And if there are any Catholic listening, um, I'm, I'm praying a rosary every day at 1 p.m. Mexico time for the end of this pandemic and for the peace of the world. And if you, someone believes in the power of prayer but is not Catholic, please be there with us too as well so we can unite our prayers to our Lord Jesus Christ to end this pandemic and to help us to be uh, better Christians and to look more than him and less than us. And if he, someone is listening and they don't believe in the power of prayer, I'm sure they believe in the doing the right thing. Be there with us too, you know, and share your good uh, uh, desires and thinking for the end of this pandemic. Uh, and let's be as one family all together. And, and, and I'm sure miracles will happen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Eduardo, for your time. No, oh, thank you for what you're doing, and you are amazing. This is amazing because you're in home, and people thinking that what am I doing home? Well, you're doing great things. You're interviewing people, and uh, and I'm sure. Uh, I hope that whoever is going to be listening to this interview, if we can help in one step forward, uh, we are using this time in a in a good way. You know. Um, thank you. And I hope to uh, do a second one interview when I'm. Uh, close to launch our next movie called Sound of Freedom, which is on child trafficking. This movie pretends to end child trafficking in the world to inspire people to fight to, for the ending of human trafficking, especially child trafficking for sexual exploitation. It's an amazing true story, powerful true story. It's the life of, it's the life of uh, Tim Ballard, uh, played by Gene Caviezel, who played Jesus in the Passion. Mm-hmm. Movie's finished. It's going to be out hopefully soon through a... Uh, you know, one of these platforms, we don't know yet, we'll let you know, but this is a powerful film that I hope will inspire people, will raise awareness in this topic that nobody wants to talk about it. And hopefully this movie will be turned into a global movement to end child trafficking in the world. I'll tell you more uh, in the next interview if you uh, give me a second opportunity to talk to your audience. Of course, when, what month? Is it the end of this year that that's coming out? It, it will be this year, but we don't know which okay. uh, uh, which month. But it's going to be close to the end, you know, like between October, November, December. Um, the movie's called Sound of Freedom. You can follow our uh, Instagram page, Sound of Freedom Movie, okay. uh, at Sound of Freedom Movie. And it's, it's a powerful, powerful story that it will help, especially mothers and, you know, parents, but especially mothers, are raising their, their kids sometimes in small towns uh, all over the world and how to have better information mm-hmm. for better prevention okay. uh, and how to take care of their kids. Okay. There is more than 7 million children around the world kidnapped every year uh, for sexual exploitation. It is the most horrible thing that I think uh, that is out there right now. And I think it's coming to an end because all these big people who were untouchable, who were involved there, now they're 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 going down, you know. Yeah. And this movie will just share a light in the darkness around the world, and and it's going to inspire many people. The first time that Tony Robbins saw the film, um, a rough cut, uh, he became an executive producer immediately, and he. A uh, month later was his birthday. He turned his birthday into a uh, fundraising for this cause. He raised 90 million, close to $90 million in one night wow. just to end child trafficking because he was so touched and inspired by the movie. I can only imagine when more people and more leaders see this film, what, what's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Ama- this movie is going to save children around the world. This is a, a very high miss another uh, executive producer of the movie, so he will tell you more. He will say, I will have him send you a trailer that we just finished today. 
so you can watch uh, the, the trailer and you can see the quality and the art and the uh, the way how, in a very poetic way, Alejandro Monteverde, the director, was my business partner who uh, did Bella and Little Boy and now Sound of Freedom. The way how he communicated this true story, which is uh, um, Tim Ballard, who used to be a, a Homeland Security agent and CIA agent, how he put together a dream team of ex-Navy SEALs and they travel around the world saving children, but the movie is about their first mission that took place in Cartagena, Colombia. Uh, it was the, their first mission um, without the U.S. government help. So they went by themselves, freelancers, and it's an amazing action epic uh, full of adventure. Every second they do something wrong, they all get killed, and they save these beautiful children. And at the end, these children are singing, and they're celebrating their freedom and they're crying and Tim Ballard is looking at them in tears after he saved them and and, and he said this is the sound of freedom uh, when the kids are crying and singing celebrating their freedom and that's why the movie is called Sound of Freedom and, and but there's many other kids that are actually they're not singing right now and they're being tortured and they're being uh, you know abused and, and we want all of them to sing the sound of freedom and that's why this movie is going to be so important and, yeah. and and we'll talk about more, and but I'll send you the trailer. You can watch it, and uh, and I think together, together we can end this nightmare. Amen, amen. Janet, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for what you're doing because I really it's really inspiring and impactful, and we hope that many men like you, um, so talented, uh, rise up and continue also to do um, the work for God, because what you are doing is incredible. Uh, I'm sure Ali has been impacted. I have been impacted. My husband has been impacted. Mm. And the people who have listened to you is so inspiring because we really want to take action and do and use what is in our hands, which might, be, might not be much, but what we have in our hands, we can do something about it. So I think it's been faithful with what we have been entrusted in this present moment and using that for the kingdom and wherever we are, wherever we go to be the light in the darkness for, for people. And uh, there are a lot of people suffering uh, and, you know, we can be the light. We can be the light wherever we go. So thank well, you so much. Uh, thank you, Janet. And thank you, Ali. And, and please say hello to your husband. And, and I'm being, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm impactful by what you're doing. So we're a team, we're a family, we're work together. This is a dream team. Everybody do what they're called to do and, uh, and let open our hearts. And, you know, and for those who still have wounds, let the healing begin. And the only one who can heal you, you know who it is. His name is Jesus Christ. So let's give our lives to him. He will do the rest and your life will be changed. Um, All right. I don't want to. God keep bless going. you. Yeah. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We we'll let you go. Yeah. Ciao. 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 Bye bye. Gracias. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Bag at zaylamag.com. S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zela Magazine, S-E-E-L-E Magazine. Till next time.